Welcome to the Empowering Grace Podcast. The following sermon is by Joe McIntyre, Bible teacher, author of nine books, and pastor for more than 35 years. We've picked one of his greatest hits to share with you today. A full transcript of this episode, plus other resources, are available at empoweringgrace.org. May you know the goodness of God in a fresh, new way today. Here's Pastor Joe. Uh, you ever feel like occasionally that you might be as dumb as a fence post? <laughs> but we don't believe that. We're believing for better things, right? Um, but it's interesting because uh, I've been uh, drawn for a week or two to a particular verse of Scripture, and um, I was praying about what to do tonight since I finished up the Commanded Blessing series. And I felt like the Lord uh, brought to mind a message that he wanted me to bring, uh, but I hadn't put it together with the scripture that he'd been talking to me about. But the scripture that I have been looking at is in Isaiah chapter 40, and, um, you know, a very, very popular verse from Isaiah 40 is, they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength and mount up with wings like eagles. They run and are not weary, and they walk and they do not faint. But um, a number of years ago, when all of a sudden I uh, had my kidneys failed, uh, I had a problem with my parathyroid gland, which I ended up in the hospital and uh, having surgery, and all of this for a man who's boldly proclaiming divine healing. And uh, so I was a little bit blown out of the water uh, as this happened. It was, it was a, I'm kind of going, well, Lord, I mean, we've seen lots of people healed, and I've been healed before, and how is all that's happening? And so I was a little bit questioning the Lord. I was saying, Lord, what, I don't understand, you know, that you've told me that this is my a thing I'm supposed to emphasize, and the very first message I ever shared in a little small group was on divine healing. God healed me of asthma. God healed me of uh, other issues that I had. And so, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, questioning, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Of course, how many know that inevitably in life you're going to come to that place where you don't know what's going on? How many think that's, you'll never get there? How many think you're so far above that? You, okay. So, so I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with this, and I got invited to speak uh, out at Sunrise Chapel in Everett. And um, uh, so um, I'm out there, and I'm waiting for, to be called up to speak. And Dan Hammer, the, the pastor of Sunrise, gets up, and he reads this verse, and it says, uh, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Well, that was talking to me. See, Lord, I don't understand. Why have you not kept me from this sickness and disease? And... um, And then it goes on, it says, The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. 
His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. And basically it was saying the Lord will be faithful when it looks like he's overlooked your claim. And for me that was like water in the desert. And I began to stand up and began to rally myself in, in the grace of God and fight the good fight of faith. And um, uh, so, so more recently, uh, I got a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our, our home was visited by an unwelcome visitor called the flu <laughs> or a cold or something. I don't know exactly what it was. Huh? A bug. A bug. And we tried to step on it, but it kept crawling away. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, we, we had a couple of tough weeks, and uh, I was feeling very, very weary. And for the kind of things that I do, study and writing and that kind of stuff, uh, uh, when you're tired, you can't do it. It's, your mind's just not alert. Your attention is, is, is challenged and, and that type of thing. So the Lord brought back to me this verse um, that he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Well, when I asked the Lord what to preach on tonight, he said, preach on manna in the morning. And I knew what he meant because this, this as, as I'll share with you, this has some history with me. And... Um, uh, Isaiah 40 goes on to say, They that wait upon the Lord renew their strength and mount up with wings like eagles. They run and they're not weary and they walk and they don't faint. Well, while we're in pre-service prayer, Diana reads that verse. And uh, uh, um, Kirk says... You know, the Lord's saying that he wants to strengthen the weak and encourage the discouraged. And, you know, it was, a, it was like the confirming witness of the Holy Spirit through two other people about this word. So I've got good news for you. If you're feeling weak, weary, or discouraged, God is for you and wants to, to minister to you tonight. But not only tonight... He wants to minister to you daily. Um, Manna in the Morning, the title of my message, is based on a little tract. Now, when I was a a young believer, I had come out of a pretty hard lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and new age goofiness and all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I was gloriously saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And like so many, I started off in the honeymoon glow period of my walk with the Lord, where you just kind of float, you know. But after a few months, uh, you know, you have a day or two that's not as uh, alive, and so you just sort of, you don't know a lot about spiritual conflict, so you don't understand that the enemy's trying to get you back. And so I started struggling and falling, and being an avid reader, I would go down to the local Christian bookstore and peruse the books and buy another one on holiness or another one on, on the, the 
crucified life or learning on the deeper meaning of sanctification. You know, I'm trying to get a hold of enough truth to change my life. And for me, reading is an easy way to do things, so I read a lot. Well, I continued to struggle, and and, uh, so one day I was in the the Christian bookstore, and I was talking to the uh, lady that was working there, and she was an older lady, obviously walked with the Lord for many years. She said, well, I'd like to give you something. Now, that's unusual in a Christian bookstore for them to give you something. You know, they're there to sell books, right? So she gets me this little tract, and it was called Manna in the Morning. And the premise of the book was that um, Israel in the wilderness had a supernatural manifestation of supernatural nourishment in the wilderness. But the only thing about it was you couldn't store it up because it rotted. So manna was only good the day that you picked it. And the theme of the book was... God wants to give us manna in the morning, day by day. And so the, the, what this book started to tell me was that I needed to have a disciplined prayer life and I needed to spend time with God in, in the morning if I wanted stability in my Christian life. Now, at that time, I'm working in a music store uh, which was not, you know, it wasn't a family music store. It was a, it was a rock musician music store because that was my background. And so, you know, it's not exactly an atmosphere that, that facilitates your Christian walk. So I needed strength. I needed, I needed to be reinforced spiritually as I went to work because, you know, I had to get up in the morning and go to work like many of you do. And, and so I needed to develop a consistent prayer life. It was a challenge for me. I, I had sort of a, a typical uh, musician schedule. You know, go out and play in the club till one or two and then go home and sit around and listen to music for a while and then get up at least by 11 or noon. And so I'm, I'm having some pretty serious adjustments in my lifestyle. I'm, and, I'm, and I've gotten a job so I can, because music wasn't consistent enough pay or work. And so um, I'm working at, in this music store. Well, so I didn't have, like now I'm in full-time ministry. And I have probably more liberty than the average person to spend time in prayer. Uh, you know, it's part of my job, which is really amazing, if you think about it. Um, so, but uh, this little booklet said, you know, you need, God wants to meet with you every morning and you need to spend time with him. And so I had to learn how to spend time with God in the morning. Now, many of you may have already developed your daily time of prayer, uh, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you that This is the place where you get the manna that will sustain you during the hard times. And it's an interesting thing. In the book of Revelation, one of the churches, uh, the word of the Lord, the Lord Jesus speaks to that church. 
And he says to them, He that overcomes, I will give him to eat of the hidden manna. Now, I don't know if you know this. Uh, some people don't realize this. But there came a point where Moses took Aaron's rod that budded as a supernatural sign, and he took some of the manna and he put it in the Ark of the Covenant. So when the Bible speaks about hidden manna, it's talking about manna from the Holy of Holies. Yeah. Now here's the thing. You have a daily invitation to the Holy of Holies. Father wants to give you hidden manna. And there are challenges that you have to face to develop your prayer life or to improve it in the mornings. Um, I found, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but let me just mention some things that might be possible ways. Because I have, uh, in, in many years of pastoring, I've learned that people are wired differently. And, and sometimes you'll hear about somebody who does a certain thing in the morning, and you'll think, maybe I should do that. Or you'll think, maybe that's what I need to do. But here's the thing. God knows who you are, and he's got a way for you to meet with him. Now, I want to I share some suggestions for you that might be workable for you. And ways that it might improve your manna quotient. How many think the more manna the better? Right? We wanna we wanna meet with the Lord. Well the first thing you need to think about is this is not the new law. Yes, that's right. Because condemnation, guilt, and shame have never done anything to motivate Christians to better living. So if you have a struggle with your prayer life, what you need to do is start saying, Lord, I'm here at the throne of grace and I need more grace to develop this. Because guilt and, and condemnation... So that's right. I just, I just, I don't pray enough. That's just my problem. I just, you know, I just don't have the discipline. I just, I, 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 I. shut up. You're not helping yourself. Condemning yourself doesn't do you a bit of good. No matter how religious it feels, it doesn't do any good. What does good is more grace. Now, I want to just remind you of something that might be helpful at some other time. James, who was clearly a prophet, is writing in his letter to the saints at Jerusalem. And he says, you adulterers and you adulteresses, don't you know loving the world is, is to have sex with the world? And you're adulterers and adulteresses. Phew. Talk about a royal slap in the prophetic face. But the next thing he says is just amazing. He says, but... He gives more grace. So even in the style of an Old Testament prophet that has this strong rebuke, his answer is more grace. 
What's the answer for any faltering in your prayer life? More grace. grace. Who's Who's the one who has all the grace you need? Your Father. Okay? Now, for me, as I say, it was difficult to form a consistent morning prayer life. And when I was working full-time, you know, you got to get up, you got to get ready, and you got to get off to work. And, you know, you, you, in general, you maybe don't like to get up a lot earlier than you need to. But let me just mention some, some ways that different ones have approached their prayer time that has been helpful for them. Uh, one way, uh, well, the first point of my, the first point of my outline is don't allow this to be a religious duty because you, 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 you sabotage your attempts when you're doing it out of guilt. So I already said that. The second thing is sometimes for people, there are certain personalities that using a devotional is really good. A daily, uh, you know, there's, there are literally hundreds of devotionals uh, that you can buy uh, online or at a Christian bookstore that are good. Uh, some of them have been around for decades, years, uh, centuries, and are still really helpful for people. And there's a lot of modern ones that are really good. And and actually, devotionals, uh, there's so many of them now that they're focused on various needs. There are healing devotionals. There are mind renewal devotionals. There are different kinds of devotionals that you can use. And what you're doing is you're taking a small thought and feeding on it for that day. And that can be really helpful. Um, I know a lot of people uh, have used, I did for, uh, for years. Uh, I remember... And I'm not necessarily recommending this, but Andrew Murray had a devotional on abiding in the Lord. I think it was called Abide in Christ. I think it was a 30-day devotional. Well, for me, at a certain time in my life, that was really helpful. And I needed to get that one truth really, really alive inside of me. So you, you could try using a devotional. If you struggle with your devotional life, you, can, you could try using a, a formatted devotional on a particular theme that you need to grow in. Um, the second thing that, that some people use is a Bible reading plan. Many of our study Bibles, our more recent study Bibles, like the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, as I recall that as a devotional in it, a reading plan, actually, that you can read through the Bible in a year or something like that. Uh, Pam used to like to do that. Uh, she had a plan that she would... Uh, read through the Bible in a year. Some people, that's not the most appealing. Uh, I, uh, I probably tend more towards topical things rather than consistently reading through the Bible, although that's a, always a good thing to do. But, but you know, uh, one of the things that we all need is a good overview of the story of the Scriptures. So reading through the Bible in a one-year Bible reading plan is a great thing to do. And, and sometimes that really meets people. They, I know Pam would read certain things. She'd share with me that she'd read today. And, and uh, uh, it was clear that she was getting some, some food out of that time with the Lord. 
So those can be helpful. Um, Another thing that is really helpful is taking... You see, there's there's a promise or a declaration about God from God for every conceivable human experience. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever opened the Bible up to Psalms someday and it sounded like David had just walked through what you've been through? You know, the scriptures uh, portray, uh, I get a kick out of David. My enemies have overwhelmed me and you've abandoned me and there's nothing good in my life and I just want to praise you, thank you, worship you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it does a total about face by the end of the psalm. And uh, so, but you see, here's the thing. Sometimes you feel like he's describing, but then you see how it resolves, you see, because God has the word done in such a way that it can meet us wherever we are in whatever circumstance or situation or challenge and can speak into our situation. And it's always, you know, it's one thing to think, well, God is perfect. He never changes. But it's nice to know there's humans I mean, here's the thing. you got David writing all these psalms, and they, they describe the ups and downs of his life. And yet, in the New Testament, it says, David is a man after God's own heart. So, what I, what I draw from that is God is more concerned about your desire for him than your emotional state. In other words, you might have a bad day. I know that's probably next to impossible, but it could happen. But here's the thing. God isn't moved by your bad day. And if you really hang out with him, he can pull you out of your bad day. Now, the devil fears a strong devotional life because it brings stability into your walk with God. And that's what we all want. And I think everybody wants a a good prayer life, a good devotional life, but sometimes we just aren't quite sure how to get it. But what I'm wanting to just exhort you tonight is that God has grace for you to get fresh manna from him. Um, a verse or two, for example, let's say you're listening to a, oh, I don't know, a brilliant Sunday night message. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and you hear a scripture and the Holy Spirit just illuminates it to you. And, and you think, That's the answer to my situation. Now, what if... Let me give you an example of spiritual conflict. Many years ago, I was in a meeting in downtown Seattle. I'd heard this guy on the radio, and I went down to hear him. And somebody asked him, uh, in the question and answer after the afternoon session, somebody asked him, 
Well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Because he was teaching on healing and stuff. And I had always heard that Paul was sick and God didn't heal him. And so, you know, God might want you to keep your sickness so you can learn humility. Well, there's a really demonic doctrine. But anyway, so somebody asks this brother and he says, well... He says, you know, it was really a messenger of Satan. It was a being. It wasn't a disease. And, and, and Jesus told him that his grace was sufficient for him and his power was perfected in weakness. So he was encouraging him to draw upon the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and overcome the problem or something like that. And that's what, like lights went on for me. I went, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that, but it's right there in the word. So I got home, and guess what? My mind went, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You ever have your mind do a yeah, but? Well, I went and got my Bible, and I said, Lord, when this brother shared, I saw it like I'd never seen it before, and now I'm not, I just don't, I'm not quite sure about it. So, so I need you to show this to me. So I got out the passage, and I looked at the passage, and I said, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me here. I know I got a revelation of this, but now my mind is wondering. And so I just spent a little time with the Lord, and the Lord began to illuminate to me the verses that I'd heard, and I've never looked back. You can't sell me Paul's thorn. I'm not in the market for Paul's thorn. I know what it isn't, and it wasn't sickness. It was an angel. It was a messenger of Satan. It was a spiritual assignment against him. It wasn't, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm just tempted to preach. Uh, I'll just say this. Paul said, Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, my dunamis, my supernatural enablement is enough. Actually, more than enough. And then he says, I rejoice in my weaknesses because when I am weak, then I am strong. And the dunamis of Christ pitches its tent over me. Now, how many think if the dunamis of Christ pitched its tent over you, you wouldn't rise up above whatever any angel of Satan was trying to do? All right. But my, my first point I wanted to make is that you can hear something that helps you, but then you need to take it and pray over it, and meditate on it. So the Spirit has a chance to write it more firmly in your heart and on your mind so that your understanding is no longer wrestling with it. Because what happens when the anointing comes on the message that you're hearing, and the anointing speaks into your heart and you get illuminated and you get light that floods your heart, the seed has been planted. 
But Jesus said Satan comes immediately to steal the word that is sown. So you have to protect the seed that's sown. And one of the ways you can do that is just if a verse has come alive to you for about a week, spend 10 minutes just thinking about that word, asking the Lord to give you light on it and sow it deeply into your heart and to get it into your mind. You see, the, the, in Matthew's version of the parable of the sower, it says, the sower sows the word And to those who hear the word and don't understand it, Satan comes and steals it. So you don't want... See, sometimes people will go to a conference and they're floating for days. But they never take the time to study, meditate, think on the word. And in a month, the word's gone. Well, We want to be smarter than that, don't we? So, so learn to take a, a small point. See, it's good to read the Word. And God can minister to you as you read the Word. But sometimes it's, it's more nutritious to just take a verse. I remember when I first started reading E.W. Kenyon, he majored on the new creation. And I had never really heard any good teaching on the new creation. And I just thought I had two natures. And I was sure that the old man was stronger than the new man. And, uh, you know, it was kind of spiritual schizophrenia. I didn't know who I was from one day to the next. One day I was the old man. The other day, the next day I was the new man. Well, well, when I read Kenyon, and actually Kenyon was just teaching what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, so I wrote that out in in a notebook, and I would just think about that and say it. I would just think, I am a new creation. I have been created in Christ. Old things have passed away. Now, my mind said, well, no, they haven't. You still have them. And I said, yeah, Lord, that's right. They haven't. You know, it's a funny thing. When you tell God his word isn't true, he hardly ever answers. You ever notice that? Lord, your word isn't true. Talk to me later. And then finally I understood a little more. And I said, Lord, your word is true, but I don't know how to walk in it. And then it was like from heaven, there was this sound. Ah, you're understanding now. You see, the word is true, whether you know what to do with it or whether you're walking in it or whether it's real to you or not, it's still true. You know, there was a saying that went around some years ago. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But here's the truth. God said it. That settles it whether you believe it or not. You might as well just believe it because it's true anyway. 
But here's the thing. So, so focusing on a verse or two, especially in the area of your need. For example, if you're, if you're seeking God for healing. Well, 1 Peter 2.24. Who, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, you could feed on that. I mean, first, there's a, we have a whole devotional made up of healing scriptures that you can actually just continue to feed on. What Pam and I are doing is we're declaring one of them out loud each day. I declare a bunch of them every day. That's the area where I'm wanting to build faith. Um, so, so thinking, meditating on the Word. Um, there was a great book that came out some years ago. I don't know if it's even still in print. Uh, but it was uh, called Alone with God. And he was, it's a great book on Bible meditation. But he just talks about how when you wait on the Lord... He illuminates. He can get more out of one verse than you can get out of a whole chapter when it's illuminated by the Spirit. And so, so that, that our culture thinks knowledge is power. But really, it's intimacy that's power. You see, it's good to have knowledge, and we should grow in the knowledge of the Word. But, you see, it's... It's one, what I've discovered over the years is one word. I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to meditate because I started after after some years of practicing this. I would say, where where should I meditate, Lord? And uh, so he said, 2 Peter uh, uh, chapter 1. And uh, it starts out, you know, let me read it to you. Um, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And so I thought, well, there's nothing in that. Okay, moving right along. And the Lord said, go back. And I said, but Lord, it's just an introductory phrase, you know. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle. And I said, well, what's in that, Lord? And, and the Lord said, well, what did he put as the more important office? He identified him firstly as a bondservant. You know, he didn't have on his business card, hi, I'm Peter the Apostle. See, his opinion of himself, and here's a man who horribly failed God and Jesus restored him and used him to preach on the day of Pentecost and he had a deep awareness of grace and this comes out Simon Peter a bond slave is the actual better translation a bond slave in their day was someone who'd been a slave and had had the opportunity to leave slavery, but had chosen to continue as a slave. Now think about that. So anyway, 
I started looking at it. I thought, well, my gosh. Peter, Peter saw himself primarily as the bond slave of Jesus. You know, we have a lot of flurry about fivefold ministry today and a lot of people calling themselves apostles. And I, I don't have a problem with that. But the deal is, how many of you know, hi, here's my, here's my card, Joe McIntyre, bond slave of the Lord. <coughs> I'm, probably somebody will do it. But, but here's my point. A, a word from the Lord, a sentence in the scriptures, illuminated by the Spirit. See, I fed on that for days. I just started thinking about that. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. This is the example of the great apostle Peter. He saw himself firstly as the bond slave of Jesus. Now that's powerful. So just one word can really do something for us. It can become hidden manna to us. See, for me, that verse was hidden manna. I didn't think there was anything in it. But the Spirit had something hidden in it which he could feed me from. And the other area, and this is particularly a good word for those who have to get up and go to work in the morning and you don't have a, you don't have a lot of time you can spend with the Lord. And that is declaring the word. I, I probably shared this numerous times, but uh, I got a little booklet that uh, suggested taking all the New Testament scriptures that say, in Christ, in Him, in whom, by Christ, through Christ, all of these uh, phrases tied to, to the Lord, and writing them out in a notebook. Um, and so I did that. I wrote them all out, you know, I went through Paul's letters and uh, Peter and went through and wrote out all these verses. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the author said, well, start saying these things to the Lord. So I had a little room I would go into to pray and I would go in there and I started saying, thank you today, Lord, I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you that my sins are washed away. Thank you that I'm born of the Spirit of God. Thank you that I'm your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I would just kind of declare these scriptures. Well, this happened for, I was doing this for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I wasn't aware of anything dramatic really taking place. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, so I'm doing this. You know, it's kind of like... uh, it didn't seem to be making a dramatic effect. But then one morning, this was probably two or three weeks into the process, I'm, I'm, I'm going, Father, thank you today that I'm a new creation. I thank you that I'm your workmanship. I'm born of your spirit. I'm more than a conqueror through you because you love me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and pretty soon I've got this flow going. And I actually said to the Lord, who was that? And the Lord said, that was the person you've been since you were born again, but you just discovered him. And how many know that's true of you as well? 
But for me, when I didn't have a lot of time, I would just declare the word. Why? Well, declaring the word builds your faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it builds your faith. Uh, It renews your mind. Now, here's the thing that was real interesting. I would go to work and usually my my mind was kind of barraged with all these negative thoughts and ideas that would come to me. And uh, it was kind of like a constant flood of stuff. And, and uh, after I had been doing this for a while, uh, the devil said, you know, it's not doing you any good. And I said, yeah, you're right. So I stopped for a while. Well, all of a sudden... I'm going about my day, and I'm having thoughts that I haven't had for weeks. You see, what it was doing was guarding my thought life, but it wasn't a dramatic thing. It was a subtle thing. It's like somebody said, you know, Christians uh, are often looking for the miraculous and overlooking the supernatural. See, my mind was being renewed and I was certain trains of thought were being stopped. Fears, insecurities, worries, they were stopping. But because it wasn't a dramatic encounter with God, I didn't even notice it till I stopped declaring. And then I went right back to, to, to declaring because I realized it really was making a difference it was really helping me control my mind. Now, the other, thing, the other thing declaring the word does is it creates a vision of hope. See, when you declare the word of God, you're saying, this is where I'm headed. No matter where you are presently, when you declare the word of God, there's a vision that's set before you of what God's grace will bring you into. Yeah, so I would, uh, Proverbs says, without a prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Somebody Somebody once said, if you're not going forward, guess which direction you're going? You see, we need a vision. Uh, the thoughts that God has toward you are thoughts of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. So, the other thing it does is it helps guard your heart. You see, the book of Proverbs says, and this is, this is the verse I've been meditating on for a couple of weeks, my son, attend to my, give attention to my words, Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So, now I'll tell you what happened to me the other day. Uh, that's, I have that healing devotional, which I've been using for years. The first scripture in it is that verse from Proverbs 4. And, you know, 
I can obviously quote it from memory because I'm so familiar with it. But here's the thing. I opened that up in my, in my little New Testament, which I often use in the morning, and I opened that verse, and I look at that verse, and it says, My son. Now, it's like bondservant. I can't get past my son. And then I had this radical thought. Jesus, in the synagogue, what would he think when he heard that? Why, he would think Father God was speaking to him as his son. And he's the what? Firstborn of many brethren. So I put myself like Jesus. And I just said, I'm your son, Father. And I'm giving attention to your word. And incline your ear. Do you know what that means? It means listen and do. It's an interesting Hebrew word. It doesn't just mean hear. It means listen and do. Now, that phrase is used 12 times in the Old Testament. And I think eight of them are in prayers to God where God's people say, Father, incline your ear. And it doesn't just mean hear, right? Hear and do. Well, God wants you to hear and do his word. And as you hear it, faith comes, and faith will empower the word so that it's empowering grace in you so that you can do it. And there's always a way to do the word. Now, you don't have to do some crazy radical jump off a cliff type of a thing. All you need to do, sometimes the best thing you can do to incline your ear is just to say, Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. See, do something to respond to the truth. Say, Lord, I want to praise you that you're working in me. Another verse I I keep quoting, and it just kind of comes out of me. It's Philippians 1, 6. It is God who has begun a good work in you, which he will complete until the day of Christ. God has begun a good work in you. You're important to God. He loves you. And if you'll let him, if you'll trust him, if you rely on him, he will bring you into conformity with the image of his son because he's the only one who can do that. You can't. And that's really good news because it takes the pressure off of you. What a... Lord, I'm really trying to conform myself to the image of Christ. It's just, it's just not easy, Lord. Duh. How about impossible? But not for him. See? And then Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. See, what we're doing to get manna in the morning is we're ceasing from our works and we're expectantly coming to him for fresh manna. Amen?
Thank you for listening to the Empowering Grace podcast featuring pastor and author Joe McIntyre. Visit our show notes page on empoweringgrace.org for a full transcript of this episode and more from Joe on this topic. If you like this podcast, please consider leaving a rating or review. Thank you.